my frustration with the Packers, and maybe Rodgers' frustration too, it's not necessarily tied to one event, but it's simply the entire last 10 years where we're just left thinking, like, figure it out. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. It's 4.02, or as uh, morning show people say, two minutes after 4 o'clock. 62 degrees, going to be a nice day. It's 4.02, and we managed to make it to 4.02 p.m., May 10th, the year of our Lord, 2021, without, like, some jarring Aaron Rodgers news today. Like, I know James Palmer of NFL Network had this report. He's like, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are in contract negotiations. Like, okay, nice, nice story, Chief. Good one. I know everybody's trying to report something on Rodgers. Just everybody's trying to get something out there. It's been a quiet couple of days, and I love it. I was scared today that some jarring news was going to drop, and then I was going to have to change my show plan around. And I'm, I'm very dramatic. I'm very needy. Once I get my show set up the way I like it, I don't like to adapt. I will, and I can, and I do, uh, because I'm a professional. But I don't like to. And I had our topics I kind of had it set up around lunchtime today, and I love tonight's show. I love it. And my worst fear was some crazy news drops at 3 o'clock, and I have to throw this entire show out because I really, really am excited for tonight. Two jam-packed hours. No guests, just you and me. Just you and me. We're going to talk a little Packers, a lot of Brewers. We're going to hear from a bunch of different people. Really been looking forward to tonight's show, and I'm very grateful that no jarring news dropped between this morning and right now. At 4.03, soon to be 4.04 p.m. I'm I'm thankful for that, because this is going to be a great show. My name, Grant Bills. The show, the Wisco Sports Show. I hope you had an excellent weekend. Not to brag, but this is my first weekend being fully vaccinated. uh, That is a very liberating feeling. Went out to dinner with my parents. Got to see my, my mom and my dad. My mother for Mother's Day yesterday. That was nice. They were in town visiting. Felt very blessed to be able to feel a little bit at ease. Um, And go out and... Enjoy a local restaurant. And you know what? Support the local economy, too. That was nice. So not to brag, but this was my first fully vaccinated weekend. And I uh, I liked how it felt. I would recommend you do the same if you haven't already. I'm not going to preach you to get vaccinated. But I did get to see my parents this weekend. That was really, really nice. The Brewers got back on the right track this weekend. That was nice. And Aaron Rodgers is still a member of the Packers. So all in all, I'd say that's a pretty tight weekend. Right? I'd say so. If you'd like to join the show tonight at any point, you can send me a text, 608-796-2558, the TNT, the talking text line. You can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, and if you follow me, at Wisco Grant, and you've been on Twitter in the last 10 minutes, maybe you saw what I tweeted. I tweeted, my dad will be joining the Wisco Sports Show tonight at a certain time to talk about certain things. You're just, you're going to have to wait and see. I'm not going to tell you when. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about. It won't be live. I talked to him this afternoon, and I recorded just a little bit of it, like two minutes worth. Uh, and I'm going to talk to my dad about something very specific at a very specific time tonight, which I won't tell you because you're just going to have to you're going to have to stay tuned. Sorry. Sorry. It's appointment listening tonight. If you want to hear from my dad, we're also going to hear from Devonte Adams as Zach Heilprin kind of touched on in that Wisconsin sports and update. He joined Colin Cowherd's show today. That's probably why he didn't answer my texts. He was busy doing Cowherd's show, which I get. We'll get Devonte Adams and <laughs> get him another time. We're also going to talk a lot about the Brewers today. Uh, we're going to hear from Craig Council a little bit. We're going to hear from Tyrone Taylor, Daniel Vogelback, and I want to talk about Drew Rasmussen. That's coming up at 4.30, or Drew Rasmussen, or Drew E.R., Drew E. Russ, Rusty Drew. We're going to talk about him. I have a very specific argument I want to make about the importance of Drew Rasmussen uh, on the 2021 Brewers. So that's where we're going. I said if you want to get in touch with me, that's the way. We've been leading every show for the past week or so, going back to last week. We've been leading the show with Aaron Rodgers. We get a little update every day, something new every day. Nothing really today. James Palmer, like I said, of NFL Network, had this report this afternoon. He's like, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are in contract negotiations. Okay, thank you. I will be eating lunch today as well, and water is wet. Thank you, James Palmer, for that shocking report. Like, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are working out the Kings. What that means for your weekend coming up at 10. Okay. We all know that they're working out their issues, but thanks, James Palmer. I appreciate you keeping the the rumor mill or the the 24 news cycle going with Aaron Rodgers. We didn't have any news yesterday or really today. So nothing to react to. And and yesterday afternoon, 
I started to think about topics for the week. It's like, well, what are we going to talk about? It's all I think about all weekend long. And yesterday, I was in the shower yesterday morning, and it came to me. Because before I got in the shower, I had just read this great piece by Rob Reichel, who's never been on this show, uh, but I know he's on with Ebo on The Zone. They're good buddies. They're good, good buddy, Rob Reichel. I, I think Rob has been on with Dan in Eau Claire on Sports Talk 105.1. I'm not sure if he's been on with Dave and Lacrosse. I'm not sure. But you might know the name Rob Reichel. He covers the Packers for Forbes.com and Conley Media. He wrote a piece this weekend. Uh, it dropped yesterday morning. It's called Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is losing in the court of public opinion. I saw that headline. <laughs> Interesting. And he talks about Favre and how the fans kind of got sick and fed up with Favre. Not everybody. At first, everyone was Favre. Hell yeah. But then as time shifted, we kind of got sick and tired of Favre's act. And we became fans of Ted Thompson and what he's doing and Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing. And Rob Reichel sets up this piece and talks about the past. And then he moves to what's going on currently with Aaron Rodgers. And here's what he said. Uh, With fans, while fans lined up to support Favre in droves in 2008, they've sided more with management this time around. One Wisconsin-based independent pollster asked fans, if the Packers and Rodgers' situation ends in a messy divorce, who would your allegiance be with? After more than 1,000 votes, 68% sided with the Packers and just 31 with Rodgers. You can do a scientific poll. You can go talk to people. You, you, I think you can just kind of feel it, right? On draft day, we kind of lost our cool with the Packers. How do you let it get this bad? And there still is blame with the Packers. They, they still are stupid for letting it get this bad. They, they should know better. They did this in 2008. They know Aaron Rodgers. They should have seen this coming. And they didn't, or they did, and they did nothing about it. Whatever. The Packers aren't without blame. But I think over the last week and a half, it's going to be two weeks coming up this Thursday since this whole thing started, We've felt public opinion stabilized a little bit. I think a lot of people have either come to the middle of the aisle from Team Rodgers or even Team Packers. It's like, well, if he doesn't want to be here, then ship him out of town. Get something for him. Favre wanted to come back. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. So it's a little bit different this time around. And I think people are siding with the Packers, or at least more people. And I think more people are going to Team Packers and Team Goot every single day. Aaron Rodgers is being dramatic, right? That's what we all think. Fandom is amazing. It is an amazing thing. It's not at all rational. It doesn't make any sense. Right? Fandom is nuts. Fan is short for fanatic. Right? Fanatics do things that aren't necessarily based in logic or reason. For example, we're all mad at the Packers right now. Even if we understand they might have to move on from Rodgers, we're still mad at the Packers. And we've been mad at the Packers to varying degrees for years. Right? Not going out and getting free agents not hitting on certain draft picks. The Allen Robinson, Danny Trevathan thing, right? Those are free agents that would have made perfect sense for the Packers. And we're like, yeah, we can go get these guys. And it's one thing to strike out on a free agent. That happens. It's another to hear a free agent say, well, I would have gone to Green Bay maybe, but they never called me. That ugh, grinds my gears. We've been frustrated for a while with the Packers. It's a culmination over the last decade. And we've complained about it. Like I said, the free agency stuff with Ted, the draft picks, I think the preferred expression for everybody is trying to fit square pegs into round holes. We've had frustration with the Packers for a while. These are criticisms of the Packers that we have. We, fans of the Packers, they're our team. You might be an owner, but a lifelong Packers fan, I live in the state, the Packers are my team. We get to rip them, and we do, and we have. The Packers are ours to complain about, not yours, not even Aaron Rodgers. And this is something I've noticed for the last two weeks. It's a very weird line that we draw as fans, right? We say, and we have been saying for 10 years, get Rodgers help, get him weapons, go all in to win with Aaron Rodgers right now. And then Rodgers says all of those same things, essentially, by being upset with the Packers. You don't get me weapons. You don't, you don't get me help. You don't spend money. You don't blah, 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 blah. You cut Jake Kumaro. And all of a sudden we're like, well, trade him. Diva. Right? He's only been to one Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Well, what is his right to complain? We, we, we turn so fast against our franchise quarterback, despite him saying the exact same things we're all saying. Right? We can complain about Brian Gutekunst and the Packers. We are Packers fans. That's our thing to do. We are allowed to do that. As soon as somebody from the outside realm does it, well, well who the hell do you think you are? Excuse me? I, this is my team. I can complain about my team. You can't. And it's amazing that we have seemingly lumped Aaron Rodgers into that group. Like, hey, Aaron, 
we can complain about Goot. You put on the jersey and you play, right? This, this isn't your fight. We've been fighting this fight for 10 years. To say we want more weapons. We need to get Aaron Rodgers help. Spend money in free agency. Do a better job drafting. All of these things. Don't cut Jake Kumaro. I don't know. Don't draft Jordan Love. We've been complaining about that for years. And the moment that Aaron Rodgers makes public those same complaints, we lose our mind at him. Because fandom is awesome. It doesn't make any sense. Who the hell does Aaron Rodgers think he is complaining about this, the salary cap and draft picks and free agency? Despite, you know, we complain about that all the time, but it's our team. We can complain. That's well within our right. Right? We, we apply the same logic. I, I said outsiders. We apply the same logic to other fan bases, too. The last week at work, I, t- I tell you, we have a couple Vikings fans in the building, okay? And there's one in particular. His name's Tony. Love him to death. Loves talking Packers, Vikings. And when this first happened, Tony strolled into my office. Oh, hey, Grant, what's going on? What's up? Hey, Tony. Yeah, I saw the news. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking, isn't it, right? Wanted to come in and talk about it. And and when this first started, two, it would have been two, uh, two Thursdays ago, like I said, about a week and a half ago now, right? All the Vikings fans were championing Paul Allen, despite Paul Allen's report being proven blatantly false by Adam Schefter last week. There's never a trade proposal. There's never a trade. It's like, yeah, our guy, Paul, I, I tell you all the time, Grant, Paul Allen's connected, man. He's real connected. Yeah, he's on top of this stuff. It's like, oh, my God. Vikings fans got all bold all of a sudden. I get a, I get a lecture every day now when I come in. Run into any of my friends who are Vikings fans, my coworkers. Yeah, Grant, I mean, the, the Packers front office doesn't do a good job communicating. Yeah, I know. And I can say that. I can complain about that. That's my team. Who the hell are you to complain about my team? Who the hell are you to point out the obvious? I'm the only one who's allowed to point out the obvious. And you've got to understand, I am not Mr. Wear a Packer jersey to work, right? Raz my coworkers every time my team wins. I Look, I'm just trying to come in, do a nice show. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a sore winner or a sore loser. I'm just trying to survive. Do my radio show, okay? I can deal with Vikings fans saying, oh, Rodgers is a diva. Excuse me, I know. All complain about my own team. Thank you very much. Please, please and thank you. I can get in here and the you know Vikings fans will say, oh, the Packers should have done this and that. Yeah, yeah, excuse me, shut up. I'll hate on my own team, not you. Please and thank you. Why don't you go complain about the Vikings and the offensive line and Dakota Dozier or whatever. You got your own problems. You don't see me ripping on the Vikings. Well, kind of sometimes, but you get my point, right? We complain about the Packers all the time. As soon as a fan from another fan base does it, <laughs> excuse me, now we sit up all straight. Excuse me, what do you, you what did you say about my team? You said the exact same I did? Well, screw you. It's my team. I can say it. Right, I don't know if you heard, uh, this is a great example, what Adam Thielen said this week, and I saw it was circulating around social media. I don't know, I should know what podcast this is on. This is bad. I'll look it up because I want to credit whoever got this soundbite. This is Adam Thielen talking about playing Green Bay. There's nothing better than leaving Lambeau with a victory. There's literally nothing better. Like, so, what's that locker room like compared to what you have at Minnesota now? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, and the whole stadium's not nice, yeah. you know? It's not, there's nothing fashion, uh, fancy about it. Like, there's, it's bleacher seats. It's bleacher seats. Everyone's like, oh my God. Adam Thielen taking shots. You know what? He's absolutely right. The bleacher seats aren't comfortable. There's nothing fancy about Lambeau Field. It's about the ambiance and the culture and the history and the small town feel. He's absolutely right. But you know what? He doesn't get to say it. He's not a Packer fan. He's a he's a place with the Vikings. I'll complain about my own stadium. Thank you very much. Not you. Not Mr. Vikings player. Not Mr. Vikings fan. I will complain about Lambeau Field and point out the obvious. Yeah, the bleacher seats suck. And there's a lot of older Packers fans that are all curmudgeon-y, and they don't like to stand up, and they don't like to cheer. They just go every game because they don't want to lose their family season tickets that they've been begrudgingly holding on to for 30 years because they don't want to lose them, so you got to go to the game, and God forbid you have a good time. I know all of this. You know all of this because we're Packer fans. We can complain about that. Not you, Vikings fan. Not you, Adam Thielen. It's okay to criticize our team. It's ours. But when other people do it, oh, no, no, no. And, and this goes for our other teams, too, like the Milwaukee Bucks. I'd say that in year three of Coach Bud, we're pretty realistic about the Bucks, right? They've been a really good regular season team that sometimes flamed out in the playoffs. Middleton is sometimes inconsistent. Bud doesn't know how to make adjustments. Yeah, yeah, we get it all. We get it. Heard it all before. But then I turn on the jump. Scotty Pippen wants to take shots at my Bucks. Oh, hell no. Mm-mm. Now I will irrationally defend my team despite those criticisms being 100% fair. Scotty Pippen could be like, man, I, I don't know how to do a Scotty Pippen. But he would say, uh, Chris Middleton, he's a little inconsistent. Excuse me? 
excuse me, and I know that Chris Middleton's inconsistent because I've never been to a, a Bucks game where he's actually played well. Every time I've been to Pfizer, former the Bradley Center, Chris Middleton has been a steaming pile of dump as, you know, as a, perform- as a player. He's never had a good night. But if Scottie Pippen or Paul Pierce or one of my friends who's a T-Wolves fan, you want to take shots at Chris Middleton? Okay, now it's on site. Now we're going to throw hands, right, with the Brewers. Yelich's injury, it's scary. Maybe he needs surgery, and he did just sign a huge deal. That's disconcerting. I know that, and I deal with that every day. But when I deal with Cubs fans who bring it up, okay, screw you. Eric Sogard is your second baseman. Now we have an issue. Andrew Chafin and his mustache, yeah, sick bullpen. Stupid Cubs. I hate on my team. Not you. My team, not yours. And I, 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 I've always known that we've done this as fans. We've always done this. We kind of close ourselves off in our circle. We complain about our team, but we get mad when anybody else makes fun of our team, even if they use the same arguments. But I didn't think that that dynamic would extend to players on our team. Like Aaron Rodgers. Rob Reichel laid it out in his piece. Aaron Rodgers is slipping. He's, he's sliding down in the court of public opinion. It's getting worse every day. More fans are coming to the side of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has the same complaints about the Packers that we do. The same complaints. It's like, well, who the heck is there? No, I, I'm a Packer fan. I'll do the complaining here. Aaron, excuse me. Go out there and go out there and suck it up. Win me another Super Bowl. It was just an observation I had this weekend. It's outlined really well by Rob Reichel. It extends to our different teams. I think it's a fascinating study in fandom. I want to get more into the Brewers. I just mentioned Yelich and his back injury. I want to talk about the Brewers getting back on track this weekend and what it means, what we've learned about the Brewers in the last week or so. That included a six-game losing streak. It was kind of covered up by the Aaron Rodgers drama. So I want to talk about that. And at 435, I want to talk about Drew Rasmussen because I think he might be one of the more important players on this Brewers team. And I'll explain why coming up in about 15 minutes. I see some texts. I see some tweets. We'll get to those as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Anything hits the outfield grass, he'll score. That ball's in the air, left field down into the gap. Reyes on his way around, he will score. Tyrone Taylor delivers in the clutch. Yeah, there you go. I was just trying to uh, stay composed and uh, stick with my approach, and I got a good pitch to hit, and I'm happy to contribute for this team today. Brewers outfielder Tyrone Taylor, a little bit more dynamic with the bat than when speaking with Sophia Menard. I went to uh, to cut some Tyrone Taylor audio for the show today. I was like, oh, we got to hear from Tyrone. He had the big hit yesterday. And then I listened to the interview. I'm like, oh, my God, he's not, he's not giving me much to work with here. Great at bat in extra innings, not so much a great interview, but that's okay. Tyrone, we love you either way. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Tyrone Taylor's RBI lifted the Brewers over the Marlins. Excuse me, over the Fish. 2-1 yesterday in extra innings. They start a series against the Cardinals tomorrow, or the Redbirds. I'm going to start using the the nickname for all these teams. The Buckos, whenever they play the the Pirates. Tyrone Taylor was really good. Vogelback had a home run. And Brett Anderson and the rest of the pitching staff was really, really good. That was the story yesterday. If you want to talk Brewers, give me a text, 608-796-2558. Brett in lacrosse texts me, not about the Brewers, but it's very complimentary, so I'm going to read it. He says, dude, this is a great show so far. It's hilarious. Well, thank you, Brett. Too kind. Um, This texter does not have a name attached to it, so if you'd like to text back with a name or a nickname of any kind, I'd give you a shout-out. Otherwise, that's fine, too. This one says, that's because the fan base is are threatening to trade themselves, aren't threatening to trade themselves to another team. That's true. That's true. We started the show by talking about how Packers fans can complain about the Packers. But now that Aaron Rodgers has started to complain a little bit, we we don't like that. right? We complain about our team. Not you. Not you, Vikings fans. Not you, Bears. Not even you, Aaron Rodgers. And that's a very astute point. Aaron Rodgers can complain about the Packers, but he has an out. He can get traded. He can go somewhere else. We're, Packers fans, we're, we're stuck. We're not, we're not going anywhere. I'm not trading myself to Denver. Although I do like the altitude and the pretty scenery, among other things. Tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, and the talking text line, 608-796-2558. I'm actually a little bit thankful for the Aaron Rodgers saga because had that not happened on draft day, I think I would have come into the studio on Monday and unloaded some Brewers takes that would have aged really, really poorly. 
I think coming in on Monday, I would have had a take like the Brewers might be the best baseball team in the league, pound for pound, right? Adjusted for payroll. They might be the best team in the league. That doesn't mean they're better than the Dodgers, but for the money they spend and the players they have, I don't, I don't know if there's a better team with a better manager. You know how I feel about Craig Council. And how could you not feel that way last Monday? That game against the Dodgers on Saturday night was electric. That game will be a top 10 game by the end of the year. You know how you have five to 10 games every year that you remember in September? You look back and you're like, I remember that one, that one, that one, that one. That Dodgers game two Saturdays ago was one of those games. I was fired up. And I probably, if Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have demanded a trade or whatever we want to call this, I probably would have came in on Monday and been like, Brewers might be the best team dollar for dollar in Major League Baseball. And then they went on to lose the next five five games. So Aaron Rodgers looking out for me. I appreciate that because uh, that take would not have aged well. And that's fine. They don't all age well. This last week has taught me to have a little bit more perspective and a little bit more patience about the Brewers. The, the last 10 games really are a great example of this, right? The Brewers are four and six in their last 10, and that includes a six-game losing streak. They're eight and eight at home this year, and they're 11 and eight on the road. The run differential is minus six. They've scored 134 runs, and they've given up 140, meaning despite their record, albeit that record was a lot better before that six-game losing streak, but they still have a pretty good record, especially because there's some really good teams in baseball that are just under 500. The Brewers are doing a lot better than most. Despite their record being better than most, their statistics don't blow you away. The numbers, the differential, the runs allowed, runs scored, is more indicative of a team that's around or slightly under 500. But we've only played a certain number of games. It's tough to judge this team at this moment. The last 10 games are a great example. They've won close games. They've lost close games. And like most teams, at this point in the season, their record is hardly indicative of how good they actually are. They're currently 19 and 16. That doesn't tell us the full story about the Brewers, just like the Braves, who don't have a great record right now, I think are better than their record would indicate. I would believe that about the Yankees too, although maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Last 10 games, great example. They have wins over the Marlins of 2-1 to one and 6-2. to two. They also lost 6-1. to one. Flip that score. Just, it's, it's a mirror. They lost to the Phillies by two runs, one run, one run, one run. In all three of those games, they had a chance in the ninth inning to tie or take the lead. They couldn't do it. They beat the Dodgers by one run, two runs, one run. All these games are close. And last weekend against the Dodgers, we were on cloud nine when the Brewers won in extras, six to five on Saturday night against the Dodgers. Travis Shaw's big RBI. And likewise, we were depressed when they lost five to four to Philly, which is in the middle of that losing streak. Those games are, they're basically the same game, right? The the result, the win-loss is in a one-run game like that, it's noise, it's luck, it's injuries, it's outside factors, it's umpiring, right? It's, it's hard-hit balls that end up in gloves or the ones that don't end up in gloves, right? But my point is we shouldn't lose our minds and think that the Brewers are the greatest thing in the world when they win 6-5 to five, and then turn around and think, oh, my God, this team is way worse than we thought when they lose a very similar game, five to four, right? These one run games, it's a coin flip. And the Brewers have done a good job in some series, the Dodgers, to win a lot of these close games. And then against the Phillies, that luck kind of ran out a little bit, right? The Brewers have great starting pitchers and Adrian Hauser has been great. Huh? My boy talked about that man all winter. And he's going to be a big part of this Brewers team this season. And he has been so far. Their bullpen is amazing as well. And I think it's only going to get better. Drew Rasmus and a piece of that, we're going to talk about him next. But other than that, we, we don't know. We need to wait and see how this offense shapes up once Omar Narvaez comes back. And is this really what we're going to get from Jackie Bradley Jr. all summer? Is it going to be inconsistent? Is he ever going to settle in? What about Keston Hira? What if Yelich ever comes back? Right? We know what there is in pitching, both in starting and in relief. But we don't know this offense at all right now, especially with Yelich out. That, that variable can swing this team huge directions either way, for good or for bad. My point being, the Brewers have played a lot of close games. At times, they've looked better than they are, and at times, they've looked worse than they are. Let's just remain even keeled. Let's take in more of these games, and we have another series against a division rival, the Cardinals. <clears throat> the Redbirds, starting tomorrow. The Brewers are off today. Bucks are on tonight. Thank God we get to see them play the Houston Rockets. I know that's going to be compelling basketball. I can't wait. 608-796-2558. Joe says, do you know when Corbin Meatball Burns is coming back? What do you mean by that, Joe? Like he throws meatballs? Gets shelled? He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. It should be hopefully this week, though, um, because he did not yet test 
positive again for COVID. Uh, Major League Baseball released that report, and there were no new positive tests, meaning that Corbin Burns must be through it. It's just a matter of how fast he can recover and get back on the field. So hopefully in this next week, and they're well on their way to getting Pena and Narvaez back. Pena's back, but Narvaez now as well. He's been one of their better bats, so that should be a huge shot in the arm. Right, but Burns hopefully soon to answer your text, Joe. Thank you for reaching out. Let's take a break. I want to tell you why I think Drew Rasmussen is one of the most important brewers. And I'll explain myself because that might seem like a weird premise. Let's talk more brewers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show rolling on. Very important, crucial to this conversation. Breaking news. I guess the Pfizer and Biotech vaccine have been cleared for children age 12 to 15. Well, that's solid news. Uh, in other news, Tim Tebow is signed with the Jags because why not? And Jennifer Lopez is with Ben Affleck. Uh, okay. Still better than any random fake Aaron Rodgers news we would have got today. James Palmer with NFL Network did do a thing on TV today. He's like, they're in contract negotiations. Thank you. Grass is green. James Palmer, everybody. Thank you for that stellar reporting. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. My dad is going to be joining the show at a, at a certain time before six o'clock. You're just going to have to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to keep you here. Uh, we're talking about one very specific thing. I actually talked to him this afternoon. It's only like two minutes worth of conversation, but it's very interesting. So my dad, which seems a little backwards given yesterday was Mother's Day, but if I ever come across a topic that I think my mom can chime in on, I'll have her too. On this topic, E-Man tweets at me and says, is Aaron Rodgers your dad? E-Man, I love your humor, but if Aaron Rodgers was my dad, that would make us direct family members, which I don't I don't then see why he would talk to me. That's not really Rodgers' thing. Inferno Orange texts in and says, Hey, GB, it's taken me a couple of decades, but I finally trained myself emotionally to calibrate the Brewers' season to an NFL schedule. Okay, holy balls. Actually, this seems interesting. He continues, wherever 10 Brewer games is the equivalent of one Packer game, at least before the 17-game season started. Well, of course, we're going to have to adjust now. Before that, I was constantly on an emotional roller coaster with every game, but now I truly just look at each 10-game block and treat it as either a win or a loss or a tie. That and beer has helped me enjoy the Brewers' season much more than I used to. That's... First of all, that's the kind of mental gymnastics that we are known for here on the Wisco Sports Show. And I appreciate that text, Inferno Orange. That's actually a great way to look at things. Talking about the Brewers and how we need to take a big-picture approach. Because last weekend, they beat the Dodgers a bunch of times. They won each game by, like, one run. Okay, And then a week later, they lose a bunch of games to the Phillies all by one run. They're the same game, right? They're the same team. The result is just different. When the Brewers play this style of, of play, for lack of a better term, where they depend on pitching like their life depends on it, because it does, and they're only good for two or three runs, and they can't hit with runners in scoring position. Oh, okay, well, you're going to play in a lot of close games, and you're going to have a lot of these games that are just coin flips. They're decided by luck or umpiring or injuries, so I'm not going to overreact to any of these games right now, and I think that's a good way of looking at it, Inferno Orange. I appreciate the text. I actually want to talk about Drew Rasmussen. Like, I really want to talk about Drew Rasmussen. I want to get into the weeds on this guy, which may seem weird, because he's certainly not the biggest point of conversation with the Brewers, not even close. We're talking about offense right now. I mean, Avi Garcia's on a tear. Tyrone Taylor had a big hit yesterday. I've enjoyed watching him play. It's been ugly at times, but he's had his moments, and he hits the hell out of the ball. Christian Yelich's injury is a big point of conversation. Talk about the starting pitching. And then, of course, the bullpen. And we have now figured out that the Brewers have a trio of Fire Eisen, Williams, and Hayter. And I really noticed it for the first time this weekend where the TV and the radio broadcast both had kind of gotten a hold of that. And there's graphics and they'll share with you the stats. It's great fodder, right, to, to talk about in between at bats, to put up on the screen. We, we always look for these things, right? With the Bucks, it was the keg. We had Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, and Giannis. And we talked about that trio and what they would combine for. And like when this group scores over this many points, the Bucks win this number of games, right? And, and with the Brewers, it's the same kind of thing. Right, If they have a lead in the seventh inning, they are you know 10-1 and one or whatever the record would be. Fire Eyes and Williams and Hayter has become this point of conversation. And I really saw the TV and the radio broadcast get a hold of it this weekend for the first time. It's like, there it is. There's a, a talking point that we can go with. 
Now, let's consider that Hayter, Williams, and Fireisen are all number one relievers. And I always use 2018 as an example. That year, Hayter, Jeffress, and Knable were all pitching like number ones. They were all pitching closer caliber baseball. Now, they were used in different ways, and obviously not all three of them could be closers. Hayter was the middle guy. Knable would come in right after the starter, the cleanup guy, kind of the closer for the starter. And then Jeffress was the traditional closer, which kind of became the one chink in the armor. Craig Council managed that bullpen very creatively. It was genius the way that he used all three of those guys, all pitching like closers, but found specific roles for them. That's why the Brewers were able to get to the NLCS. We love talking about those guys, the number ones, especially Hayter, but that year it was Knable and Jeffers too. They get all the headlines. They get the graphics on TV. They get the, the storylines and the statistics from Kent Sommerfeld on the Brewers Radio Network, right? About Hayter, Jeffers, and Knable. And this year it's about Hayter, Williams, and Fire Eisen. And in 2018, I think you could argue that Corbin Burns was maybe the defining arm of that bullpen in 2018, the bullpen and the team that almost made it to the World Series. Hayter, Knable, and Jeffress were amazing. And they were the best relievers in baseball. And, and, and they were the premium top-shelf pitchers in that great baseball. But Corbin Burns took that bullpen and, and took it from the best pen in baseball and made that bullpen superhuman. And I don't say that as... Uh, hyperbole, right? That bullpen took a team to the NLCS. The starting pitchers were Yolise Chassin, Wade Miley, and Gio Gonzalez. That team, that team had a lead in game seven of the NLCS against the Dodgers because of Hayter and Knable and Jeffers, but also the addition of Burns late in the year. That's what really elevated that bullpen from very, very good to superhuman, to a bullpen that was good enough to carry a, a, an inferior team in other areas all the way to could have been the World Series had Game 7 gone differently. If Chris Taylor doesn't make that catch, you know, a lot of things could have gone differently. That bullpen, because of the addition of Corbin Burns, really took the step to where that was a, a World Series caliber team. And this applies in football, too. Like, we can look at the Buccaneers. Everybody talks about, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Those two players, by and large, were pretty quiet in the Super Bowl. They didn't do a whole lot in the NFC Championship game. Now, Godwins and Evan, Evans, Godwins and Evans, you get my point. They were the tandem. We talk about those two guys. They, they were the superstars. But the Chiefs, they were right there. They had Kelsey and Hill. They had that tandem. And the Packers, a little bit behind, but somewhat similar with Adams and then a combination of Lazard and MBS. Those are comparable wide receiving crews in the top end. Godwins, Evans, I keep saying that, Kelsey Hill, and then Adams, Lazard, MBS. Those are very comparable. Where the Buccaneers had the advantage over the Packers, and you saw it in the Super Bowl over the, the Chiefs too, is they also had Tyler Johnson, and they also had Scotty Miller, and they also had especially Antonio Brown and Gronk. Now, Antonio Brown wasn't going to go off every game, but the luxury of having that caliber wide receiver as your number four, number five, that's what takes your team from very, very good to superhuman. Same with Gronk, right? Godwin and Evans are Hayter, Jeffers, Knable, and Antonio Brown is Corbin Burns. He takes it to that next level. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. I said I wanted to talk about Drew Rasmussen. We just needed that context because I believe that Drew Rasmussen in 2021 can be who Burns was in 2018. And I think that makes him possibly the most important arm in the pen. Not their best, but but the impact that he could have on this bullpen, if everything else holds steady, if Fireisen and Williams and Hayter are their normal selves, the impact, the the, the movement of the needle that Drew Rasmussen could have, especially late in the year, it's massive. We're talking wins and losses, playoff positioning. His impact, or lack thereof, is massive. The swing one way or another, if Rasmussen can turn out to be the arm I think the Brewers believe him to be, and I think the arm that I believe that he could be too, and we've talked to David Gasper and other Brewers guests about the same thing. Let, let, me, let me play out some scenarios here, and I'll, I'll try to illustrate this. I'll, I'll try to lay out how important Rasmussen could be. Okay, let's say it's September. It's coming down to the wire. The Brewers and the Cardinals are neck and neck for the division, and they're playing in a three-game series. It's a 1-1 game in the fifth inning, and Adrian Hauser starts to struggle. You need to get to, you need to get to the seventh inning. You need to get to Ras or you need to get to Fireisen, Williams, and Hayter. Can Rasmussen come in in the fifth inning, pitch the rest of the fifth and the sixth, and bridge it to the seventh? Because if he can, that team is dangerous. Same thing that Burns did in 2018. That's one scenario. Think about that. If it's the middle of the fifth and Hauser's having trouble, it, can Rasmussen get through the fifth, through the sixth, to the seventh? 
if he can play that role, oh, this team's going to be so good. This bullpen's going to be so good. Here's another scenario. Let's say the Brewers won yesterday. They won the previous day, and they used Fire Eisen, and they used Williams. But then they scored four runs in the top of the ninth inning. So Hader, Hader's not needed, and Boxberger closes the game. So you go into tomorrow with Hader available, but not Fire Eisen and not Williams. Let's say Brandon Woodruff throws seven shutout innings, and you just need to get it to Hader. Can Rasmussen be that next guy? Can he be the clutch guy? If so, this bullpen is really, really, really good. So these are very realistic scenarios, by the way. Here's, an, here's another one. We saw this a week ago Saturday. We saw it yesterday. You use Fire Eyes and Williams Hater 789, and it's still tied. And you go to extras. Can Drew Rasmussen, like Corbin Burns, be that extra arm who can come in and clear the 10th inning and clear the 11th inning? Because you, you can't go Lynn Bloom. You can't go Eric Lauer. Right, right. The, the, the question in this scenario essentially is, does the, does the pitching drop way off in an extra inning game? Can you go Fire Eyes and Williams hater and then still have another good option in, the, in, in extras? Can Drew Rasmussen be that option? Because if so, th- I, that's, that's the difference maker. That's what Corbin Burns was in 2018, and I think that's what they hope Drew Rasmussen can be this year. I just gave you three super common scenarios in which Rasmussen can be a huge difference maker. doesn't have to be the, the best pitcher in the world. He doesn't have to be able to eat three, four innings. But can you get it from the middle of the fifth to the seventh? Right? Can you pitch the eighth on a day where Fire Eisen and Williams aren't available? Can you come in and give your offense a couple of chances and extra innings after all your premier, you know, pitchers in the bullpen have been used? If so, this team can really, really good. And it's a recipe they've used before. That's why I'm confident in it. Craig Council won in the postseason with a great bullpen despite having basically no good starting pitching and really only one great bat, Christian Yelich. Now, I believe the offense this year potentially to be better than that year if everything falls right. I know the starting rotation is better, but if you can recreate that 2018 bullpen for Craig Council and allow him to cook with a recipe he's used before, oh, and it hinges on Drew Rasmussen. He's that extra arm. I like Brad Boxberger too, but Boxberger is a little bit more of a vet. I don't know that he can fill that role that Burns did in 2018. Do you get my point? Hater, Hater's their best reliever, and Williams is electric, and Fire Eisen, despite giving up a run yesterday, still really good. It's that other guy. It's that other guy who can get it to the seventh inning or pitch in extras or be a, a, a setup man or a closer if no one else is available. That could be Drew Rasmussen. And if it proves out to be, this team is going to be really, really good. Same recipe that we saw a couple of years ago when they came just a couple innings short of the World Series. Let's take a break. I want to transition back into football. We're going to hear from Devontae Adams coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out, and I hope you had a wonderful weekend and your week is off to a good start. My dad will join the show at a time to be named later coming up in the show. So after 5 o'clock, that's all I'm going to tell you. Not going to tell you what we're talking about. Not going to tell you when we're talking, but we will talk. This is how you keep people hooked. See what I'm doing? This is a true professional move that I'm doing. A pro's pro. Text the show. Call the show if you'd like. 608-796-2558. We normally get a flurry of calls after 5 o'clock, so I'm bracing for that. Tweets at Wisco Grant if you want to follow and tweet along with the show. I'm only going to say this once, and I would never tweet it out because I don't want it saved. I don't want it somewhere you can screenshot it because I I hate being this person. But I I have to. I have to stump for a second. I have 987 followers. This is getting ridiculous. Just give me 13. Let's get it to an even thousand, and I'll never care about my follower count ever again. Ever again. 13 follows. This isn't hard. Let's just get it to a grand that gives this show a little bit more legitimacy. You and me both. Makes this whole operation a little bit more legitimate. We need 13 people. Let's all pitch in and do our part. What about 13 united and well-intentioned citizens all just stepping up and doing their part? What do you say? Only need 13. A baker's dozen. Follow me at Wisco Grant. Okay, that was very lame. I won't do it again. Promise. I won't ask again. This next segment will lead us perfectly back into the Packers, which we'll talk more Aaron Rodgers and the Packers after 5 o'clock. More Brewers at 5.30. So if you're... Worn out by the Rodgers stuff. Don't worry, we're not going to overdo it today. We're not going to beat it to death. Devontae Adams joined Colin Cowherd's show today. And this is just, this is just my favorite. When somebody joins somebody else's show 
and I can use it for content on this show. <laughs> can I can I admit that? Like you all know that's what it's for, right? Like, oh great, Colin Cowherd entered like introed Devonte or Devonte Adams interviewed Devonte Adams. Okay, well I'll just listen and then I'll we'll talk about it. Okay, good. This is good content from Colin, Uncle Colin Cowherd. I I love that. When I saw that today, I'm like, oh thank God, thank. God. Because Devontae Adams, I don't really know where he stands in all this. I don't know where he falls. You got to think he's attached to Aaron Rodgers just about at the hip. They've built such a good following. They've built such a good connection. I got to imagine he sides with him at least a little bit, and that turns out to be the case. We'll hear from him on that subject in a little bit. But Devontae Adams is a straight shooter. He doesn't really mess around. He doesn't really joke around. He's a pretty intense guy and a really straightforward guy. So I wondered how that was going to go, right? You ask him tough questions about his friend and his quarterback. He's going to be a straight shooter, and I was wondering if that would get uncomfortable, if maybe he would say some things that we, we, you know, grimaced at a little bit. But that wasn't really the case. The interview started out with Colin asking Adams, okay, well, when you saw the news last Thursday, what was your first reaction when you saw the news? Or I'm, I'm sorry, accumulation of information at Adam Schefter. My bad, accumulation of information. Well, when I first got it, um, I was I was actually on the golf course um, trying to enjoy myself. A couple of brewskis out there, so it's a it's, it's a good day. Um, and then I hear that, and it kind of sways it. Obviously, um, I don't really know what to think. I hadn't really spoke to him, so um, you know it, it wasn't the best news to receive while I'm out there trying to have a good time. But um, you know it, it scared me a little bit. But it was you know a lot of things that go into this. So I was like, let's let's just calm down. Let's see see what's going on. We'll talk to him, and then you know ultimately try to figure out what's going on. Okay, well, that's 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 pretty expected. First of all, I didn't really expect Devontae Adams to be a drink-a-lot-of-beers-and-golf guy. I, I get that that's what men love to do. And we all love to just golf and just hammer beers. That seems exhausting. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really a day drinker. I just The, the point of drinking is to relax. I don't want to get a sunburn, run all over a golf course. I'm terrible at golf, so that probably plays a role in it. But, I mean, men are... Ladies... You rip on men all you want. We are bad at a lot of things. We're stupid about a lot of things. But I think you need to give us our respect. Men can go out and be in the hot sun for eight hours straight, drink nothing but Coors Light, and and hit the ball all over the course and be fine. Okay, most men can. I can't. But I respect men who can do that. Apparently, Devontae Adams is one. Women, you can complain about a lot of things. That is not one. That's an impressive feat. And you got to give us our, our due. By the way, the whole question where it's like, how did you react? Just a little inside tip. That's what you ask someone when you don't know what else to ask them, like all of Ebo on. Ebo, when you saw the news, what did you first think? It's a cop-out question, but you know what? It's it's tried and true. It's an oldie bit of goodie. Devontae Adams, set to be a free agent. What if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back? That's got to impact his decision, right? Uh, potentially, potentially. I mean, it, that's my guy. That's the, the only guy that I've had, um, you know, other than that um, 2017 season when he got hurt. It's the, it's the only guy that I played with. And, um, you know, we built up a, a special connection over the years that has made it you know, put us both in really good positions in our career. Um, you know, not that he needed me to come along for it because he was already in that spot, but we established a lot together. So it would change a lot, man. Um, you know, doesn't mean potentially I'd be gone, but, um, you know, I definitely have to do some extra thinking if, if my guy wasn't here. That makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, I, I tend to think he'll go wherever they will pay him. That's typically how the NFL works, right? We, it's not the NBA where guys are, you know, colluding and talking about going to the best. Like, Veteran players certainly towards the end of their career might want to stay where they can win championships. But for this contract for Devontae Adams, he's looking to get paid. And if the Packers pay him, I'd imagine he'll stick around. Also, that's some good posturing. Your agent's probably like, hey, don't make it sound like a done deal. You're coming back to Green Bay. Don't make this easy on me. Finally, the Packers. Colin Cowherd says they don't communicate very well. I don't disagree. What does Devontae Adams think? I defend my my guys on everything, man. I mean, this is... uh... We all know it's a pretty, in, um, you know, dense business. There's a lot that happens, a lot that goes on here. Um, you know, just like any other job, you want to be happy and you want guys, once you have um, gained that respect, you want to be treated with that type of respect. So um, there's certain things that, you know, I can't speak on specifics, but there's certain things that he wants and um, maybe the club isn't wasn't so excited about um, living up to right away. And, uh, you know, that can affect the a guy who's done so much for an organization. Um, you know, he's, he's put his, his body and his really laid his life on the line out there for, um, for that team, for, for his teammates and everything. So I've been behind him hundred percent throughout the whole thing. Um, obviously I'm, I'm praying everything works out and that we get him back and, 
um, you know, we can continue to go out there and do stuff like what you see on the screen there because it's a lot of fun doing that. It would be dumb to not get him back. It would be ego. And I, I just addressed the women in the audience about you got to give men credit for being able to golf all day in the sun and drink nothing but beer and be totally fine. A- another thing that you can rip us for, ladies, is our ego and how we are so stubborn about the stupidest things. Like, oh, this roster is set and primed to win a Super Bowl. We went all in on this season. Oh, well, what if what if we blow this all up and we waste this roster and we waste the way we constructed this team because Brian Gutekunst wants to be stubborn and Aaron Rodgers wants to be stubborn? Be so stupid. Like, this is set up perfectly for one last dance, not to do the Michael Jordan thing, but it is. And it would be a huge shame and a total waste if it came down to two men measuring their you-know-whats to try to prove how this is going to go because it's so stupid. Aaron Jones came back. Devontae Adams is on the last year of his deal. Like, come on. Like, make this work. It would be a waste to not make this work. It would be a huge waste. So I'm hoping they figure it out. Devontae Adams hits the nail on the head. Let's take a break. Talk more Packers. Get your calls and texts as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show after 5 o'clock. Sports Show. Appreciate you hanging out. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope your week was off to an excellent start. I was up at 6 a.m. this morning. Normally, I get up at 7, which I feel like is pretty respectable. I don't get to work until 10 or 11. I'm here until 7 p.m. or after normally. So I feel, I feel like 7 o'clock is a really reasonable time to wake up. This morning, I was up at 6. Gotta say, I liked it. It's very productive today, and I haven't hit the wall yet. And this time of year, the sun's out late. The sun's up early. Just, I'm feeling like a go-getter today. So watch me be miserable tomorrow. I'm going to book like four guests. So I barely have to, so I barely have to do anything. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. I want to get into Brewers and I want to talk about no hitters. Uh, But before we do that, we have, uh, we have Eric on the phone. And I want to give Eric the floor before we, uh, before we get into anything specific. Because I don't... I don't want to block you off, Eric. Like, I, I don't want to force you to talk about something. What's going on with you today? What would you like to discuss? Well, well how about the Bucks? They play tonight. They do. Right? They, pl- they got to win. They, they do. I would imagine they're going to rest most of their team because the Rockets are very, very bad. So? Yeah, and I... Really? To, to avoid sounding really stupid, I'm going to make sure they're playing the Rockets first, and I'm going to see if the injury report is out because I don't... I don't want to be wrong. No, I don't think they're going to play Spurs. Spurs, my bad. See, I, that's why I checked. I was like, that doesn't seem right. They're playing the Spurs, who, yeah, I don't think they're going to play their their studs tonight. All right. Well, I just, I'm excited about the Bucks because I want them to win it all. I don't know if they can do it or not. Yeah. And then I had one other thing for you. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I am a Vikings fan, but I live in Wisconsin, so I, I don't have a lot of access to, like, local sports radio in Minnesota. So I'm going to talk about what you guys talk about, okay? Sure, sure, sure. All right, so I want to know, what was the catalyst for Aaron Rodgers' problems? And I want you to think clearly about this, because if I remember back to last year, listening to sports reports, Mm -hmm. even after the draft, Aaron Rodgers was you know, on the phone and getting together with the coach and they were going through the plays and everything was fine, wasn't it? Yeah, with, wasn't Ma- there with Matt LaFleur. That, yeah. yeah, with Matt LaFleur, wasn't he like getting together with the team and we're really going to do this? And it just seems like we have a whole year or a whole season of this not really being a problem. And then, bam, it's a huge problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And let's let, let's talk about this for a few minutes, Eric. And I appreciate the call. Drive safely. Are you on Interstate 90 per usual? I am on Interstate 90. <laughs> but here's one, just one more thing. Yeah. Do you think that it was the loss of that game and the loss of the NFC Championship and a little bit of who the quarterback was on the other side? Because that was his chance, right? Yeah. That was his chance. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And I, Eric, I appreciate the call. I let's address all of that with the, with the Tom Brady thing. I, I don't know if it's a personal thing against Tom Brady, 
I think what possibly could have frustrated Aaron Rodgers, and it's been reported, is you're telling me Tom Brady comes to the NFC for one year and the team lays out the red carpet. You want Gronk? We'll get him. You want Antonio Brown? We'll get him. You want us to bring in this guy and this guy and this guy? Done. Your wish is our command. We're going to go all into win a Super Bowl with you. And Rodgers sees that and says, I've been toiling away for 10 years now with a roster that outside of a year or two has never really been a heavy Super Bowl favorite. This guy comes here for one year, gets everything he wants, everything works out perfectly for him, and he gets to cruise to a Super Bowl. I think that probably frustrated him. I don't know if it's a personal thing against Tom Brady because I think Aaron Rodgers, like smart football fans, knows that Aaron Rodgers is 10 times the quarterback that Tom Brady is. So I don't. I think it's the situation more than the actual player. I don't. I don't think it's personal. With the, with your comment about Aaron Rodgers last year versus this year, I mean, let's put this. Speaking of Colin Coward, let's put this in a relationship term. If you're in a relationship and you are happy as a clam for a year, everything's perfect. It's amazing. It's great. And out of nowhere, your partner comes to you and says, "I'm so. I'm so. I'm so sick of you. I want out. I'm leaving." Okay. Well, what does that mean? You either did one specific thing to really set them off, or they've been keeping this inside for a long time. Now, uh, I don't know what the one thing would have been in the last couple of weeks. Unless, of course, it was the Jordan Love thing, and he did an amazing job hiding it, but that's awfully passive-aggressive. The idea that you never want to go to bed angry, that would mean Aaron Rodgers was going to bed angry for well over a year in in, in an analogous sense, in the, this analogy. He wasn't actually going to bed angry, but like he, he kept this inside all that time. Oh, man, he's a petty dude. He is a petty dude. He is wired a little bit different. I think that would be my answer to the the plethora of points that you made, Eric, and they were all good ones. And drive safely as always and get home safely to Onalaska and you have a good rest of your night. I appreciate the call. I don't know how to do this. So because it's Colin Coward, I'm just going to do what Colin does. And I'm going to say, let's transition to this. We're going to go to our next topic. Maybe the biggest thing that happened in baseball this week was Wade Miley throwing a no-hitter over the weekend. That was probably the story of the last couple of days. Albert Pujols was the story last week. Wade Miley threw a no-hitter, which was the fourth of the season already. And I think for the majority of baseball fans, this story is probably kind of a footnote. You know, you see it on Facebook, or you hear about it on the news, you see it on Twitter, and you're like, oh, good for Wade Miley. I always kind of like that guy. Good for the Reds. It's good for baseball. And you go about your day, and you don't really think about it any more than that. Right? I think Brewers fans are in the minority in comparison to the rest of the league because we see that and we go, are you you kidding? Really? Really? Wade Miley? Wade Miley and the Reds get another no-hitter? It's been since 1987. And just think about it. Wade Miley included, how many former Brewers have gone on to throw no-hitters with other teams? Just off the dome, I can think of a list pretty darn quickly. Of course, Wade Miley, but Mike Fires, he did it twice. Immediately after leaving the Brewers. He left the Brewers in 2015. He immediately had one that, that season. Marco Estrada, who I thought threw a no-hitter, he took no-hit bids into the eighth inning in back-to-back starts, which is the first time that had been done since the 80s. I was reading about it today, but he could never nail it down, but he got close. I'm to the point now, and I tweeted it today at Wisco Grant, I bet Zach Davies will throw a no-hitter at some point this year. Why not? It's the way this thing has worked for the last couple of years. It's the way it's worked for the Brewers. I'd put money on Zach Davies throwing a no-hitter. We've watched all these former Brewers go on to throw no-nos, and that's frustrating, all right? But in a grander sense, in a bigger sense, this seems to happen to every other team, like, every year. It's not just the Dodgers. It's not just the Red Sox and the Yankees. It's not just teams with big payrolls, right? You have teams like the Athletics. Mike Fires threw a no-hitter. you kidding me? Chicago had a no-hitter from Alec Mills last year. And I'm not trying to diss Alec Mills, but he's no he's not Madison Bumgarner. Like, for God's sake, how have the Brewers not lucked into one yet? Well, why did we never get one from Dave Bush? Why did we never get one from Giovanni Gallardo or Randy Wolf? Other teams get no-hitters from Randy Wolf. For God's sake, the Reds just got one from Wade Miley. And I like Wade Miley, but he's no Cy Young. <sighs> Some of the last few no-hitters that have been thrown, Wade Miley, John Means for Baltimore, Carlos Rodan Rodan for the White Sox earlier this year, Joe Musgrove for the Padres. That one's big team, big name. Alec Mills, 
couple combined no-hitters. Mike Fires in 2019. James Paxton. Sean Manea, again with the Athletics. Edison Volquez, Jake Arietta, Mike Fires, because of course, Cole Hamels when he was with Philly. Jordan Zimmerman, former lacrosse logger. Or was that Eau Claire Express? Former Northwoods League guy, we'll call it, call it even. Right? It's frustrating. I look down the list of guys who throw no hitters. It's like the Brewers have had pitchers just as good, if not better than this. They've never been able to get it done. Teams like the Dodgers, they have 26 career no hitters. The White Sox have 20, then the Red Sox and the Giants and the Reds have 17. I was trying to compare the Brewers, who have won. It's thrown in 1987 by Juan Nieves. I was trying to compare the Brewers to a comparable team. Been around a similar amount of time, right? About the same payroll, no championship success. So I I saw the Detroit Tigers. I'm like, oh, this is a good comp. The Detroit Tigers have seven career no-hitters. Detroit has always been the Detroit Tigers. They never went under another name, never another city. They've been around since 1901. So 120 years, okay? I know that's a little bit longer than the Brewers, but I'll get to my point. Tigers started in 1901. They have seven total no-hitters in that time. So seven no-hitters in 121 years, 120 years. The Brewers were the pilots, technically. They started in 1969. One career no-hitter in that time. So they have one career no-hitter in 52 years. And you might be thinking, well, Grant, of course the Brewers have fewer than the Tigers. The Tigers have been around for almost, you know, two and a half times as long. 52 years versus 120 years. Here's the thing. If you actually cross-multiply and you do the math, right, the Brewers, if you adjust for the amount of time that they've been in the league, so if you stretch out the Brewers to 120 years and you keep that factor the same, that means they should have three no-hitters. They should have three times the amount of no-hitters if you just use the stats based on comparable teams, like the Tigers, but they don't. I don't know what it is about the Brewers. They don't luck into no-hitters like other teams do. A very comparable franchise, the Detroit Tigers. Three times the amount of no-hitters when you adjust for age of franchise. Similar enough to the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners have six. How the hell does that happen? Kansas City Royals have four. The The Diamondbacks, who might be the most comparable team to the Brewers in the entire league, at least they have two. How do you you not fall backwards? How do you not fall bass-ackwards to censor myself a little bit? How do you not get lucky? I, I don't get it. They've had guys over the years like Taylor Youngman, Perfect guy who would have thrown a no-hitter for absolutely no reason. Jeff Supon, why not? What about Wade Miley when he was at the Brewers? Or Mike Fires or Marco Estrada. They all go on to other places. They just they just start going to town. They start going to work. It's frustrating. Now, the million-dollar question is, maybe I'm cracking my knuckles and gnashing my teeth for no reason. Do you even care? Am I the, am I the only one who cares about this? Maybe you don't care. I, I wouldn't care about this in football. And and maybe I wouldn't care about this about my NBA team either, but here's the thing about baseball, especially cheering for a team like Milwaukee. You need to enjoy the little things because the reality of Major League Baseball is not the same for a team like Milwaukee as it is for LA or the Yankees, right? The the Brewers aren't going to be in it every year. And I understand that. Like, I I get that. I do. It's going on. I get it. The Brewers aren't going to be amazing every year, which leads us to appreciate this team even more when they're really, really good. So you need, to, you need to enjoy the little things. You need to go to the ballpark and tailgate, even if the team's bad. We're pretty good at that. You need to go to your favorite tavern and watch the game with your friends. Or you need to enjoy the little things. You need to get excited about Chris Carter hitting a bunch of bombs in a season that doesn't mean anything. You need to go to Star Wars night at Miller Park despite the team only winning 65 games, right? Like, you need to enjoy the little things. To me, no hitters are little things. Like, that's something that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's something we can celebrate and we don't get it. So I think that's why it frustrates me. Maybe you don't care. And if you don't care about no hitters, but more power to you. I called my dad earlier today because I remember growing up, he talked about the 1987 Juan Nieves no hitter all the time. And I was like, you know what? I should call him. I'll record the call. And then I'll cut out the little interesting tidbits for maybe a bit of perspective. So my dad, so he's in his middle 60s. I want to make sure I do the math. I'm not going to call him out on air. So he was alive and kicking and well in the late 80s, unlike yours truly here. And he can speak to this game a little bit, what he remembers and what it meant to the Brewers at the time. His answer actually surprised me a little bit. And I'll share that with you coming up next. Final chance for you to text me and tweet me 608-796-2558 at Wisco Grant on Twitter. Final segment, excuse me, of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ripken on first with two outs in the ninth. The Brewers lead seven to nothing. 
Hit in the air. Yount. Makes a great catch, and Wadley Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. What else can happen to this team? Wadley Amos has no-hit the Baltimore Orioles on a great game-ending catch by Robin Yount. I wasn't around for that game, but if I was, I would have sat there and thought, man, can't wait to see this again before too long. Odds are we'll get another world uh, or no-hitter. That didn't turn out to be the case. That's what I thought during the Super Bowl in 2010, too. I'm an idiot. So that didn't turn out to be the case either. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Final segment. We're talking no-hitters because Wade Miley threw one yesterday because, of course, he did. Zach Davies is next, or I will quit this show. He'll throw one this year. Injuries notwithstanding, if he gets hurt, it doesn't count. He gets hurt, it doesn't count. But Zach Davies, at this rate, will throw a no-hitter with the Cubs this year. That's how this thing works. So we're talking about no-hitters and how it's just nuts that the Brewers only have one. And you might say, well, they've only been around for so long. Grant, of course, they'll have fewer than some of these other teams. I did the math. It's like if you adjust how long the Brewers have been around with their number of no-hitters and you compare it to teams like the Tigers. This is the example that I shared before the break, right? The Tigers have been around for 120 years. They have seven no-hitters. The Brewers have one no-hitter over 52 years. The Tigers are, are getting no-hitters at a, at, a, at a three times a higher clip than the Brewers, right? So if you just these, these numbers for age of franchise, right, the Brewers are still lacking. I don't know what it is. And it bothers me because baseball is all about the little things for a team like the Brewers. You got to be able to enjoy a season where really the goal is to just try to win the division. You got you to gotta enjoy tailgating, even when the Brewers only win 65 games. You got to enjoy these little things because contending for a championship every season just isn't realistic. So if that's how you judge success and failure and that's how you have fun, you're going to have a miserable life as a Brewers fan. No hitters are one of those things. You could go to the ballpark every day. You could see a no hitter, and yet it just it doesn't happen. I don't get it. So I'm trying to take the temperature of the room here. Do you care about no hitters? Do you not care at all? Is this only me? You can tweet me. You can text me. Uh, Big Joe says, hi, Grant. Can I... Can I get a big shout out on air? Big Joe, you can always get a big shout out. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the tweet. Somebody who I also want to shout out, my dad. Uh, because I remember growing up, he would also, always mention the Juan Nieves no-hitter. It was a rainy Thursday night. And I called him today. I was like, I'm just going to record a little bit of this. And if there's any interesting bits, I'm going to use it on the show. Because I wasn't around in 1987. And I asked him, I was like, well, what did that game mean? How is it remembered and his answer surprised me a little bit. It's about a minute long, and I was a little bit surprised with what he said. The no-hitter in 87 was was great, but it wasn't nearly the most interesting thing that happened during the 87 season. You know, during that season, they the Brewers started out with a 13-game uh, win streak, mm-hmm. and then it was followed up with a 12-game losing streak. Um Rob Deere, who was a career 220, 230 hitter, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated because he was hitting 455. Um, Easter Sunday may have been the best Brewer game ever. You know, they came back with two home runs in the bottom of the ninth with with two outs uh, to win. Um, Paul Molitor had a 39-game hitting streak. Robin Yount was your MVP. There was just so many things going on that year that I don't want to say it got lost in the shuffle, but it, it maybe wasn't as big a deal as it should have been. Okay, so that was the one no-hitter in franchise history. That's not really the answer I expected. And that team was really, really good. So I, I guess it's understandable. If you ask me about the 2019 Milwaukee Bucks and how they won, you know, whatever, go, oh, they got the one seed. I'll be like, well, yeah, but the team was really good. You know, like we had championship expectations, so maybe the one seed kind of got lost in the shuffle, right? I, I guess it's, I guess it's understandable, but I wasn't expecting him to say that. He also said like it was, it was a game that was way more about defense, and I've watched it back. There were a couple great defensive plays. Juan Nieves pitched fine, but of course, it's not like the Brewers ace threw it. It typically never is. Here he talks about the defense a little bit. This is my dad. The, the reason to me that it was a no hitter wasn't necessarily because it was such a fantastic pitching performance, at least in my opinion. It was a, a great win for the Brewers because there were so many good defensive plays that went along with it. Sure. There was a really uh, important double clutch double play late in the game, and there were two fantastic catches 
in the outfield, uh, one in left field, and then Robin Yount sealed it with a, with a diving catch in center field where he was completely stretched out. I, I thought that was the key to the game was, was the defense. The Brewers have a team right now. Like they can make it happen. You know, they got Wong, Jackie Bradley Jr., Lorenzo Cain, Yelich. Like, they have really good defensive options. This team is built on run prevention. And they have great pitching, but, I like, it should happen. The groundwork is there. I, I feel like we got to see one this year, right? A couple of times already, a Brewers pitcher take one into the seventh inning. What do they do? Start the seventh, give up a hit, Council pulls them. Okay, great. Council is the other variable, and I talked about this with my dad, too, but we're running out of time, and I appreciate my dad giving me a couple minutes this afternoon to kind of reflect on that a little bit. I don't know if, if no hitters are a goal for Craig Council. Like I, I don't know if that's in the front of his mind. He's not wired to have his starters go the distance, and I love that. I love that he doesn't put unnecessary wear and tear on a hitter. He's not going to let it go, you know, let a guy go nine innings just to prove that he can go nine innings. Right? Like, that's not the smartest way to play baseball, and I get that, but that also makes it pretty hard to throw a no hitter. So I'm conflicted here. My guy Craig Council plays the right way. It's smart, protects his arms, but like also, I kind of want a no hitter. I'm not going to lie. And I, and I don't know if the way that Craig Council manages, I don't know if that lends itself to no hitters. I also want to win as many games as possible, make the playoffs. So that's a little bit more important. Tomorrow, we'll talk more Brewers. They're idle tonight. We'll talk about the Bucks because the playoffs are coming up. So let's really dig in on the Bucks, especially for Chris on Interstate 90. That's tomorrow and more. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.